This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Tuesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. I appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. Things are starting to cool off in parts of the country. Thank goodness there's some relief on the way. It has uh, been brutal, uh, but uh, going to be a, a humid one down here, but not nearly as hot. So uh, looking forward to that. Hopefully you people up in the Northeast cooling off as well. I saw if you're in the St. Louis area, please uh, stay safe. My God, they got like seven or eight inches of rain overnight. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, the other big news here in the United States before we get to sports, the uh, the Mega Millions jackpot, $810 million. $810 million. Um Two dollar ticket. I guess it's 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 worth a shot, right? I mean, my wife and I don't generally buy lottery tickets, but uh, we may we may go out and buy one here. But your chances of winning, by the way, uh, one in three hundred and two million. Uh, you got a better chance of uh, getting uh, the smaller payoff, like maybe winning a million bucks for getting the five numbers, but missing the mega ball. Uh, but even that is one in twelve point six million. So your odds are not great. But what the hell? It's two dollars. <laughs> the Associated Press in the story this morning said, uh, "By the way, you have a better chance of being or of dying in a car crash. Your chances of dying in a car crash over your lifetime. This is kind of staggering to me. I was really surprised by this. Is one in one hundred and one over your lifetime." One in 101 in your lifetime. So you have a better chance of dying in a car crash driving to buy your $2 Mega Millions ticket than you do winning the damn thing. But what the hell, right? Two bucks. Um, the cash prize, by the way, if uh, if you decide to take that instead of the annuity, which pretty much everybody does, it'll be like $470 million. They estimate after after the feds get their hooks into you, you're down to about 297 And then if your state uh, government gets to you, it's going to be even less than that. So, you know what, you might end up with 250 million bucks. Jeez, that'd be terrible, wouldn't it? Uh, but yes, <laughs> one, in, uh, one in 101 chance of dying in a car crash, but one in 302.5 million. But we're all going to run in there to get those $2 tickets. So, uh, hey, listen, best of luck. Good luck to you. I, you know, I hope, uh, I hope you win. I hope one of my listeners wins. That'd be awesome. If, if I win, um, I, this show may end. Because I may be on a, uh, somewhere where there's no internet. Well, I barely have internet down here, but we, God knows where we'll end up. But anyway, so uh, other news in Major League Baseball. The uh, Players Union, not surprisingly, uh, rejected the international draft proposal that was put in by Major League Baseball. If you remember, one of the things that uh, they agreed to consider to end the 99-day lockout was to try to come to an agreement 
on an international draft. Uh, MLB's been trying to get this going since 2002. The Players Union's been against it. So since they rejected that, that means that the, um, the international signing pool will remain the same. It also means that the um, uh, qualifying offers for players that are attached to a draft pick will remain. The players wanted that gone, and MLB was willing to let that be gone if they would agree to the international draft. They couldn't do it, so uh, that will stay. So uh, basically it means uh, if you are offered a qualifying offer, which I think last year was like $18 bucks. 18.4. It's a, a qualifying offer is a one-year contract for the average contract of the top 125 deals by average annual value. So last year it was uh, 18.4 mil. Got to adjust the camera on uh, Facebook. Pardon me. Uh, so uh, it, it's going to be you know around that again this year somewhere close to that but it also means that if you do sign with another club if you reject the qualifying offer and sign with another club um you are subject to the loss your team is of amateur draft picks uh if you sign one of those players um and and we've had players before that have held out and uh waited um until that would no longer be an issue i think craig kimbrell did that uh, Dallas Keuchel did that in back in 2019. They waited until after June to sign because then the qualifying offer or, or the uh, draft pick compensation was no longer on the table. Uh, so I don't know if we'll see more people do that. But anyway, uh, so that is that's one news from Major League Baseball. The other part of it is that Congress has given them an extension of three days to answer the letter that was sent by uh, the Congress a couple of weeks ago basically saying, please explain to us um, how you can continue to pay minor league ball players basically slave wages and get away with it. You know, you're not paying these guys a living wage. And uh, please explain to us why you should still have your antitrust exemption when you are treating uh your minor league ball players like this. And then of course, Rob Manfred stepped all over himself around the all-star break and said, well, we, you know, I disagree with that. Well, uh, their lawyers have not been fast enough to get the response to Congress. So they've given them a three day extension. Uh, there is a very real possibility that this antitrust exemption that they have had for damn near a hundred years could go away. And if it does, it is going to, uh, take away some of the power that Major League Baseball has right now to arbitrarily uh, do things. You know, the, the way they contracted uh, the minor leagues, where 40 minor league teams just disappeared. Uh, the way they can basically dictate what a minor league ball player makes. Uh, the way that they are, they can, uh, they have the ability now to arbitrarily uh, install a pitch clock or ban shifts or some of those things, by the way, I'm in favor of, but they have the pretty much the ability now to, it's carte blanche. They can do it without any repercussions. And so uh, Congress has given them three days to answer the letter. Uh, it, this isn't something that's going to happen immediately, but boy, I'll tell you what, you know, they are walking a very fine line here. The owners and Rob Manfred have gotten very greedy, have gotten very heavy-handed, and if they lose this antitrust exemption, things could change significantly 
uh, in baseball. So it'll be interesting to see how they uh, uh, how they eventually respond to that. But they have three more days to do it. All right, let's get to the uh, games from last night. Uh, the Red Sox win one. Whew. You know, and if there was ever a game that a team needed, last night was it. You know, and was it easy? No. I mean, was it one of those games where you you knew they had it from the beginning? Hell no. But a win is a win. One thing that was encouraging was that Nick Pavetta uh, only allowed one run over five and two-thirds. Now, was he great? No. He struck out six and five and two-thirds, but he allowed ten base runners over that time, seven hits and three walks. Uh, he was in a lot of trouble. You know, uh, a big double play uh, helped him out significantly in the sixth inning, but after they get that, or, or actually I think it was in the fifth inning, then he comes out in the sixth, gets the first two outs, and then all of a sudden, you know, bing, bang, we got trouble. They have to get him out of there, bring in Schreiber, who does a great job, uh, as he has done all year. Uh, what a find he was, no question. Uh, pitches an inning and a third, but gets out of that sixth inning jam, then pitches the seventh. Garrett Whitlock comes in, pitches the eighth and the ninth, picks up his second save, and we see why Garrett Whitlock is in the bullpen, why he belongs in the bullpen, and why he is going to stay in the bullpen, at least for the for the near term. And frankly, if I had my way, uh, after you know, and I was I was not against him starting. I was like, hey, look, you know what? What do you got to lose? But when we saw that he was just so-so as a starter and the effectiveness that he has had out of the bullpen, I think this is – this is it's where he's got to be. So, uh, you know, so that was great. Uh, and, and, look, you know, the Red Sox didn't exactly tear the cover off the ball. They only had six hits in the game. You know, and it, it was a little bit of everybody uh, chipping in. Yomer Sanchez, for God's sake, a former uh, Chicago White Sox cast off. Uh, with an RBI in this game. Uh, the big blow, of course, Alex Verdugo with a double off the wall. Uh, Xander Bogarts had a hit. Christian Vasquez drove in a run. You know, it was a kind of a team effort last night. The only run that uh, the Guardians scored was on like a little bleeder down the third base line uh, by Jose Ramirez. That came in the fifth inning, tied the game up, and it was one of those where, you know, uh, as I think uh, Dennis Eckersley called it, buzzard luck. You know, you get a great hitter like Jose Ramirez to basically almost whiff on a ball, and he ends up getting an RBI single, uh, probably the weakest RBI that he, he got all season. But the bullpen, uh, Schreiber and Whitlock do the job, and Pavetta manages to work out of trouble. Pavetta was pissed when he left the game. Uh, I think he was more mad at himself because he had thrown, you know, 96 pitches. He couldn't have been, uh, or 95 pitches. He couldn't have been too angry at Alex Cora for taking him out. But he's probably more mad that he got the first two outs very easily in the sixth and then got himself into some trouble and they had to take him out. But uh, a good sign because his previous few starts had been absolutely brutal. And the Red Sox wore their City Connect uniforms last night, those yellow uniforms. They haven't lost with those things this year. Uh, they're 6-0. and yep. Wear them again tonight. <laughs> I mean, you got you got to take whatever you can get right now, right? Um, but uh, a, a good win for the Red Sox, badly needed. They are now in, tied with the Cleveland Guardians in the first out of the playoff position, three games behind the Seattle Mariners. 
Uh, but the Red Sox, just two wins in their last 10 games. You know, and after that great June that they had, that they got themselves back in contention, they are 6-15 and 15 in July. 6-15 and 15 in July. And look, to you know, uh, J.D. Martinez missed another game last night, his fourth. Trevor Story missed like his ninth straight game. Those guys are close to coming back. Michael Waka uh, threw a bullpen yesterday. He's close to a rehab assignment. Rich Hill starting a rehab assignment. They're going to get healthier. But again, and I, we talked about this yesterday, I go back to this flawed roster that this team has, and there are uh, some people that are – there's some grumbling in Red Sox Nation. Let me just put it that way. Uh, great story uh, by Chad Finn this morning in the Boston Globe, and it, it was posted yesterday afternoon. And it was basically, you know, and it was one of the he had kind of started. He had been scribbling notes, and you know, after, in a five-game stretch, watching the Red Sox lose all five and get outscored sixty-seven to thirteen, and and but the takeaway from this this column that he wrote was basically, look, this is on Bloom. Absolutely on Bloom, as I ranted on about yesterday. And then when you read this column and then you read the, the, the comments by people that read it in the Boston Globe, uh, there is no doubt that Red Sox Nation puts this squarely on the head of Bloom. You know, and and not just this year, but from the beginning. And some of the things that he is doing this year in terms of contracts, you know, the the, the extension that they offered Rafi Devers, which Chad Finn basically called insulting. You know, and he said, look, you know, they, they used, you know, Matt Olson's uh, $168 million deal as the benchmark for their negotiations. He said, Devers should have laughed in their faces. Because Devers is a much better player. He's a much better hitter. And he's two and a half years younger than Olsen as well. And basically that they insulted Xander Bogarts by offering him a one-year $30 million extension. And said, look, he wants to be in Boston. He needs to be in Boston. But this is, you know, if the Red Sox don't win every game this week, this could be Xander Bogart's last week in Boston, the way that Heim Bloom's running the show. And and contrary to how, the way I felt, Chad Finn said, "Well, you know, I was okay with them, you know, trading for uh, trading Hunter Renfro for Jackie Bradley Jr. and a couple of mid-level prospects. Why? Because I thought they'd actually find another Hunter Renfro to take his spot." You know, he said, I expected them to do better. Instead, what did they do? They shoved Jackie Bradley in the outfield. And what you got in return is a guy that's hitting barely over 200. He's hitting 210. He was one for three last night. Congratulations. He's got a two-game hitting streak. You know, and he gives him, you know, look, he, look, he gives him credit for, you know, you got Whitlock from the Yankees, you stole him, basically. You know, Nick Pavetta was a nice pickup. John Schreiber, good job. But when you look at, at what's going on and, and, and look at what they got, and now removed from the Mookie Betts trade and the emotion of the Mookie Betts trade, when you look at what they got 
for Mookie Betts, you can say nothing else except Heim Bloom got taken to the cleaners. Heim Bloom got Bupkis. He got Alex Verdugo. Alex Verdugo is an eh, you know, he is an okay player. You know, he's not Mookie Betts talent. And then the other two pieces that you got out of them are Connor Wong and Jeter Downs. Connor Wong is a guy that's, you know, been on the 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 Worcester shuttle. Hasn't shown the ability to hit at all. He may be a fine defensive catcher, but hasn't shown the ability to hit at all. Jeter Downs, you know, in his limited time up and down, has, has shown the ability not to hit at all. And that's the return you got for Mookie Betts. So if you're looking at this might be Xander Bogarts' last week in Boston, what the hell do you think they're going to get for Xander Bogarts? Knowing that Bogarts is probably going to opt out and the Red Sox basically uh, insulted him. And where he says he wants to be in Boston, the Red Sox have shown no love and no real desire to re-sign him. I don't care what John Henry or Tom Warner says. Heim Bloom is the guy that's pulling the strings right now, and the ownership's sitting back and letting him do it. And everybody in the world knows it. He's going to get pennies on the dollar, so to speak, for Xander Bogarts. You're not getting a top prospect back for Xander Bogarts, whether he's a rental or not, for another team. It's not happening. Because other teams know they got you over a barrel. If you want to get something for them, figuring that you're not going to sign them, you're going to have to give them away. So, you know, the the approach that Bloom has had from day one has been that Tampa Bay Ray approach. And I, I said that, you know, yesterday. And Bloom, I mean, uh, Chad Finn basically agreed with me today. You know, at some point, he has to understand and ownership has to understand that you can't allow him to operate like that in Boston. It is not going to work. This team is worth $4 billion. $4 billion. And the way Heim Bloom operates... You know, he, he kind of joked about it. He says if he could put him in a time machine, he would have traded Jim Rice, Carl Yastrzemski. He would have traded anybody that wasn't nailed down. He might have traded Ted Williams. I mean, that's kind of tongue-in-cheek because the the uh, the whole uh, salary structure was a lot different back then and, and uh, a lot of the, the rules were a lot different. But the point being that you can't operate like that in Boston. It is not going to fly with the fans, you know, and, and if you're trying to tell us that, uh, uh, Trevor story was your big ticket item, you know, think about that. Uh, you know, they, they signed him, I guess, as some leverage for Xander Bogarts. Cause if Bogarts does decide to leave, you know, there's no doubt, you know, the Red Sox are probably just going to move story over to shortstop the way bloom operates. The idea that he's going to go out there and try to sign some big-name shortstop that's going to be a free agent in this coming uh, class, don't count on it. Heim Bloom is the wrong man for the job, and Red Sox Nation's had enough. They want him out. And I was glad to see that they're not dumping it on Alex Cora because it's not Alex Cora's fault. He can only you know, manage with who he manages. One, one interesting thing I saw in a comment was, you know, don't be shocked if 
Alex Cora says, you know what? I've had enough of this crap. I'm not operating like this. I'm out of here. You know, and, you know, kind of making the idea that, look, hey, the guy that's uh, managing the Philadelphia Phillies right now is an interim guy. Maybe maybe Alex Cora says, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm not going to work like this. And Alex finds himself a new job. Wouldn't shock me whatsoever. So the Red Sox and the Guardians again tonight. Red Sox have won, I, I think, like uh, seven out of the last nine, nine games they've played against Cleveland. So they're hoping that continues tonight. Josh Winkowski is supposed to come off the COVID list uh, to pitch that game for Boston tonight. Uh, the Guardians are going to have a bullpen game. They're going to use an opener and then a bunch of bullpen guys uh, to try to get through this one. Uh, but, uh, you know, look, it feels good to, to get a win last night after losing five in a row. But, my God, you know, I hope this is not the last week Xander Borgarts is in a Red Sox uniform. Because I'm, there will be, uh, unless you're bringing back uh, somebody's number one prospect that is a can't-miss guy, or unless you're trading him to the Washington Nationals and bringing back uh, uh, Juan Soto in a deal, and we all know that's not happening because that's, you know, that's not a, a fair swap for the Nationals. But unless you're doing that, people don't want to hear it. And, you know, this team better figure it out. This team better not be sellers. Maybe they should be. I said that yesterday. But if they sweep this series with the Guardians, you know, you know, maybe they, maybe they hang around for a little bit longer. Maybe they, be, you know, become tentative buyers. I don't think they're going to make a big splash. Although, you know, it wouldn't be a bad thing if you know they're not going to bring Juan Soto back from the Nationals. But if they went out and got Josh Bell from the Nationals and handed and handed him first base. That would solve one big hole, wouldn't it? So we'll see. Trade deadline is coming up in six days, seven days, week from today, August the second. So, uh, you know, is it is it uh, Xander's last week here? Hope not. But if it is, man, you better come back with a better haul than you got from Mookie Betts. I know Mookie is, you know, arguably a better player. But you can't get fleeced again. And they got fleeced with Mookie Betts. Uh, the other best team in the American League, along with the New York Yankees, has been the Astros. Uh, the Astros are only like a game or two under the Yankee record. They've done that very quietly. Everybody's talked about the, the big sticks and everything that the, uh, has happened in New York. But the Astros have quietly put together a great, great season. Well, they they uh, they got cooled off a little bit last night. The Oakland Athletics, yes, the Oakland Athletics, who came into the night with just 35 wins, uh, find a way to beat the Astros last night, seven to five. Uh, Adam Oler, who came over to Oakland uh, in the Chris Bassett deal with the New York Mets, got the start last night. Uh, wasn't great, but he was good enough. Five innings. I uh, gave up three earned runs, picked up his first career victory. Uh, Jose Trevino picked up his ninth save of the season, but that wasn't easy. You know, the Astros had been kind of held in check all night, and they put up uh, uh, a bit of a fight in the ninth inning, and Trevino had to work out of some trouble, but he picks up his ninth save. Jake Odorizzi takes the loss uh, for the Astros. Uh, and then, uh, you know, this is another interesting one tonight. 
Uh, Luis Garcia will take the mound for the Astros. Frankie Matas, who's been great, he's only three and nine, but he's got a three one six ERA. Will get the start for the A's, and everybody expects that this will be his final start in an Oakland uniform. Uh, he was limited to just three starts in his previous uh, his three innings in his previous start uh, because he had had some inflammation in his shoulder. They brought him back, and they were careful with him. Uh, so he'll go a little bit deeper tonight, and if he shows that he's healthy, uh, it, I mean, if you're the Oakland Athletics, you know, you've already tanked the season. If you're the Oakland Athletics, Frankie Montas is probably the next guy out the door. Uh, and, you know, what scares me is he winds up with somebody like the New York Yankees or uh, uh, the, uh, the, the the Dodgers, you know, teams that don't need him really uh, but are going to stockpile as much talent as they can. Do not be surprised if Frankie Montas's last appearance in an Athletics uniform is tonight. It's 30 minutes past the hour. We've got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 33 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Tuesday morning. Uh, so the Orioles keep pace with the Boston Red Sox, remain just a half a game back in the standings. The Orioles just uh, continue to amaze. They get themselves to the 500 mark. They beat the Tampa Bay Rays yesterday 5-1. to one. Uh, Austin both got to start. Only lasted three innings. Bit of a quick hook. Brandon Hyde decided to go get him. It worked out to be the right move. Uh, his bullpen does a great job. Six innings, four hits, no runs, didn't walk anybody, struck out eight. I mean, that is just a remarkable performance by their bullpen. Uh, Corey Kluber got the start for Tampa uh, and uh, was roughed up a little bit. And so the Orioles now at the 500 mark, half a game behind Boston. Tampa remains in the number two wild card slot, but they are just a half a game ahead of the Seattle Mariners. Uh, so uh, things are, you know, and and whether you are for the extra wild card or not, uh, there's no doubt that it has certainly made things a lot more interesting and is probably going to remain that way. It is going to be interesting to see if Tampa can hang in there. Uh, they announced yesterday that Kevin Kiermeyer, who's got a hip problem, and Mike Zanino, who's had some shoulder issues, uh, have both been ruled out for the rest of the season. Now, with the Rays, they always it doesn't seem to matter who gets hurt, who's pitching, whatever. They find ways to win, but uh, that's a that's a blow for them as Kiermaier and Zanino will not be back for the rest of the season. Uh, Shane McClanahan is going to pitch for Tampa tonight. It's his first appearance in starting the All-Star game. Uh, Spencer Watkins, who is 3-1 and one on the season, will get the start for the Baltimore Orioles. But, you know, the Orioles are now 13-6 and six in July. Uh, which means they are going to have consecutive winning months. And which is, you know, and, and you're like, well, great. You know, that happens to a lot of teams. It doesn't happen to the Orioles. Listen, prior to June, when they went 14 and 12, they hadn't had a winning month since August of 2017. A winning month, let alone two in a row. So think about that. I mean, it is just amazing. And... You know, you might have to say that Brandon Hyde is the manager of the year. If the Orioles can continue this, and, and I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, maybe they're just too young and dumb to know that they shouldn't make the playoffs and will find a way to get in the wild card, but I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But if Brandon Hyde gets this team to the finish line and they're at like 500 or better 
Doesn't he have to be the manager of the year? A guy that that you know was on a you know led a team that lost a hundred games the last two or three years in a row, and they went didn't make any big splashes in free agency. They're basically just using young kids from their farm system, and they've taken their lumps. And you know, doesn't he have to be the manager of the year? I still think Terry Francona is the best manager in the American League, but there is no doubt what the Orioles are doing right now is amazing. Now, having said that. Look at what the Boston Red Sox did in June. Look how bad they've been in July. So the Orioles could come crashing back to earth in August and September and, you know, be right down in the toilet again. But this team just, they just continue to find a way. So uh, good on them and uh, as they take out the Rays last night. Um, Zach Greinke, not known exactly for a uh, being a strikeout guy, but it's, you know, this is one of those things where uh, longevity works in your favor. He moved into the top 20 in all-time strikeouts last night. He struck out five over five shutout innings. Doesn't end up getting the victory because uh, they didn't start uh, scoring runs until after he let the game left the game. The Royals beat the uh, Angels last night 7-0. Uh, but all of that came after Zach Greinke had left the game. Uh, they scored one in the sixth, four in the seventh, and two in the eighth. Noah Syndergaard pitched very well for the Angels last night, only gave up one run and six hits in five and two-thirds. Uh, he ends up taking the loss because the uh, uh, the Angels' uh, offense couldn't get anything done off of uh, either Greinke or four relievers. Uh, Amir Garrett ends up getting the win in relief as he pitched a scoreless sixth inning. Um, but, uh, look, the uh, Angels are just their, – their offense is just pathetic. Shohei Otani leading off, went one for four. He's only hitting 256 this year. Uh, Ward has been pretty good, the the young right fielder. Uh, Jared Walsh, their first baseman, has been a little bit disappointing this year. You know, not having Mike Trout in the lineup. Uh, Trout is eligible to come off of the injured list. He was eligible to come off yesterday, but uh, uh, he had a cortisone shot in his back last week. And uh, they said it's just a day-to-day thing, and he's not ready yet. And, uh, look, this team can't survive, even with Mike Trout. They're not good enough. You know, and not having Anthony Rendon, uh, this team is a mess. And there has been talk about them possibly trading Shohei Otani. You know, and and to me, uh, you know, you don't trade Shohei Otani unless you're bringing back a major haul. You know, and and because – you know, this is a guy who is an individual talent, right? A guy that he's the only one doing what he's doing in Major League Baseball. The only one that has done it uh, on a full-time basis, really, in Major League Baseball history. Because he's doing what Babe Ruth didn't do. You know, Babe Ruth was primarily a pitcher when he was with the Boston Red Sox. He would play the outfield occasionally. But he wasn't uh, playing the field on a regular basis and pitching every fifth day. You know, Otani is doing it on a day-to-day basis, and it's it's something that uh, it's it's almost unprecedented. So the the PR hit that they would take for trading Otani uh, is would be immense. So you know, now is it it could be a way for them to fix this team? You know, it and, and it. It may make sense from a baseball standpoint, but boy, it would have to be 
an unbelievable deal, and it would have to make it would have to make sense. You'd have to get the better of that deal, and it wouldn't mean just getting back a bunch of prospects. You'd have to get a couple of major league ready players. Then you'd have to get a couple of high prospects, kind of like what the Washington Nationals are trying to get for Juan Soto. They've put out, you know, they've basically put out, you know, word of, you know, we're not going to take your four best prospects. You know, it's going to take guys on the field, two or three guys that are going to be everyday players plus some prospects to get Juan Soto. Because here's the thing. Washington doesn't need to trade him. They have him under control for this season and two more. There is no rush to trade him. Um, you know, and last night the Washington Nationals were in Los Angeles playing the Dodgers and Dodger fans, you know, they're all, of course, just like Yankee fans would be just like Red Sox fans would be. They all want Juan Soto. And so last night when he comes up to bat, you know, a crowd of almost 49,000 people in, in Dodger stadium are yelling future Dodger at him. When he comes up to bat. And one of his good friends is Trey Turner, who plays for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the Los Angeles Dodgers probably have the talent that they could send back to the Washington Nationals to bring Juan Soto there. There's no doubt that they've got between their farm system and, you know, some spare parts that they have on their major league roster, they could probably put together a package to bring Juan Soto over, it would their their payroll would be absolutely obscene, but they could afford it. You know, even Dave Roberts, when he was asked about, it, he says, "Look, you know, uh, I always believe you know a team can get better, right?" He's like, "You know, do do you know do we necessarily have to have them?" You know, he said, "But we don't." He said, "We don't need anything." He said. But a team can always get better. And he said Juan is a very talented player. So, you know, and think about, look at what the Dodgers have been doing with all the injuries that they've had to their pitching staff. Walker Bueller's out. Uh, Brewster Gratterall, a big part of their bullpen's been out. Justin Turner hasn't played for quite a while. Uh, you know, they've had a, a subpar year from Cody Bellinger. Uh, you know, I mean, they've just, and they continue to win. The Dodgers have the pieces that they could bring Juan Soto over. The Dodgers probably have the pieces if if the Angels were serious about trading Otani to bring him, you know, a few miles away to Dodger Stadium. But those are two uh, special talents. Otani more because of what he does. Soto more because he could be a generational talent. He's only 23 years old. And he's already done remarkable things for somebody 23 years old. Just imagine what he can do, you know, in the next 15 years. You know, it would have to be, and to me, if you're going to make that kind of move, and this is where the Dodgers have, this is why the Dodgers make sense. You know, there's other teams, there's other, you know, some of these pundits are putting out about, well, you know, maybe some of the smaller market teams could make a run at them too. And here's why I don't think so. The Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, a couple other teams, maybe the Phillies. You know, there are a few big market teams that could afford not just the prospects and the players to give up to get Soto, but then could afford 
the hit that it's going to cost to keep him on your team because you are not going to bring Juan Soto to the Los Angeles Dodgers and give away all that for two and a half years. If you're going to bring him over, you want some kind of guarantee that you can sign him to a long-term contract, a 10-, 12-year Mike Trout kind of contract, maybe for more than Mike Trout money, if you're going to bring him over. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense to me to make that kind of move. Same thing with Otani. If you're going to trade for him, you've got to lock him up. So we'll see. But uh, uh, the Nationals beat the Dodgers last night with Juan Soto, and Juan Soto was a big part of that game last night. Uh, Soto with a couple of hits, a couple of runs batted in, and uh, he provided the offense that they needed. Uh, and uh, they beat uh, Tony Gonsolin, who lost his first game of the season. He was 11-0 and going into that game last night, ended up giving up four runs and six hits and six innings. And uh, the uh, Washington Nationals and Juan Soto beat perhaps his future employers in the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, by a final of 4-1 to one last night. We're going to take one more break. Back in a minute, you're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 47 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. Um, so the uh, Phillies come back to win last night. They beat the Atlanta Braves. Uh, the Braves lose their second game in a row. Stop the presses. They hadn't lost two games in a row since the 17th and 18th of June. I mean, that is how good uh, that that Braves team has been. It's it's absolutely remarkable. Uh, with the loss, they now fall two games behind the New York Mets. Of course, the Mets and the Yankees starting a Subway Series tonight, which is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I am, uh, uh, of course, I'm going to be watching the Red Sox game, but there's no doubt I'm going to be switching uh, between the two, because it's a great pitching matchup as well. Jordan Montgomery, uh, three and two with a three-two-four for the Yankees. Taiwan Walker, who's seven and two with a mid-two ERA uh, for the Mets. Uh, it's going. Both teams are in first place. Uh, everybody's hoping. Well, not everybody. Everybody that lives in the state of New York is hoping that it's a Mets. Yankees uh, Subway World Series this year. Everybody who doesn't live in the state of New York is praying to everything that is holy that <laughs> that is not the case. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. But the Phillies come back to beat the Braves last night 6-4. Uh, Bryson Stott, a homer, a double, drove in five runs, pretty much did it all by himself. Um, and uh, they got to A.J. Minter in the eighth inning. Uh, and that was the difference in this one. Uh, Spencer Strider is going to pitch today for the Braves. Aaron Nola, 6-7 and seven with a 3-1-3 ERA, will pitch for the Philadelphia Phillies. Look, the Phillies are not out of it, but they are, you know, fighting for a wild-card spot. Right now they are a game out of the final wild-card spot. They're battling it out with the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, the San Diego Padres, who are taking on water. The Padres got absolutely drilled last night by the Detroit Tigers of all teams. Uh, the Tigers beat the crap out of them 12-4 to last night. Sean Manaya got the start, uh, gave up a career-worst nine runs in three and a third innings. I mean, only, you know, only, only, only four of them were earned, but it was a brutal night for Manaya. So the Padres uh, have lost 6 of 10. They're struggling. 
the Cardinals playing a little bit better baseball, but they're basically a 500 team right now. Uh, the Phillies just need to get things going, and they've got their ace going on the mound tonight in uh, Aaron Nola, so that's a big one for them. Uh, the other news out of that Padre game last night, by the way, uh, after Manaya left the game, they brought in Mackenzie Gore, who has been, uh, who is their number one young pitching prospect, and he had to leave the game. Uh, I think he did. He did he last an entire inning? Yeah, he did. He went an inning and a third, uh, but his velocity was down. Something wasn't right, and they ended up coming out and taking him out of the game. And he is going to be evaluated today. There is concern. Uh, that he could be headed for Tommy John surgery. I hope for his sake that's not the case. Uh, but that series will continue tonight. Uh, Mike Clevenger will get the start for the Padres. He's 2-3 and three with a 3.50 ERA uh, as he comes back uh, from uh, his injury from last year. Garrett Hill will get the start for the Tigers. He is 1-2 and two with a 5.63 ERA. Um, the San Francisco Giants continue to take on water. Uh, this is a team that was, uh, you know, breathing down the Dodgers' neck for a while. They have now lost five in a row. They get shut out by the Arizona Diamondbacks last night. Merrill Kelly, eight innings of shutout ball, only gave up three hits. Uh, his battery mate, Carson Kelly, so it was Kelly to Kelly, uh, a pair of doubles. And uh, Arizona has won three or four since the All-Star break. And that's probably the best baseball they've played all year, and they're not going anywhere. Although they're only seven and a half out of a wild-card spot, so I guess you know they're not out of it if they can get hot. But uh, the San Francisco Giants right now uh, in a lot of trouble. They are going to have to turn to their uh, – uh, the guy who's kind of been their stopper this year, Carlos Rodon, will get the start. Eight and five with a two nine five ERA. He will take on Tyler Gilbert. Um, the Rockies beat the Brewers last night two to nothing. Uh, Brewers right now still with a lead in their division over the Cardinals, uh, but only by a couple of games. Uh, but it was Kyle Freeland who pitched very well last night, seven shutout innings, and then uh, Daniel Bard loaded the bases in the ninth inning but got out of it, uh, picked up his 21st save of the season. That's another guy that has been rumored to be headed out of town. Uh, a lot of people looking for bullpen help think uh, Daniel Bard uh, might be the guy. I tell you what, and Bard's a great story, period. I mean, this is a guy that was out of baseball, you know, for a couple of years, couldn't find it, you know, and now, you know, former Red Sox closer and uh, then just uh, everything went south on him. And uh, he came back a couple of years ago, and he's been great. I mean, he's pitching to a one nine one ERA, but there's a lot of people that think that he might be headed elsewhere uh, as well with the Colorado Rockies going absolutely uh, nowhere this season as well. Um, one of the no, oh, the Red Sox are going to have uh, David Ortiz will be at Fenway Park tonight. They're going to have a ceremony honoring uh, him uh, after being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, you would expect, by the way, that David Ortiz's number will be the uh, next one that's retired. Um, you would think. Um, now that he's in the Hall of Fame, I think that's a uh, absolute no-brainer. So uh, David Ortiz will be at Fenway Park tonight. Um, Susan Waldman, uh, the color commentator for the New York Yankees, uh, is going to be inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame. She was uh, selected for induction uh, yesterday. Um, she's 75 years old. I didn't realize she was that old. Uh, but she has been covering or broadcasting the Yankees for 36 years. She's, she's been the radio color commentator for 18 years. Uh, she was the first woman. She was kind of the one who broke the glass ceiling, the first woman to become a full-time MLB broadcaster. Uh, you know, she used to be on WFAN all the time in New York. Uh, and by the way, great voice. 
she's been on Broadway. She used to she sang the national anthem at Fen, uh, at uh, Yankee Stadium several times. She has an unbelievable singing voice. Uh, but so she is going into the Radio Hall of Fame. So good for her. And she's going in alongside oh my God, Chris Mad Dog Russo. <laughs> Long-time host of Mike and the Mad Dog, of course, has his own uh, uh, Sirius uh, XM channel now. He moved over to Sirius XM in 2008, and he does a show on the MLB Network. Uh, he is also going into the uh, Radio Hall of Fame. Good Lord. Um, and uh, one other uh, note, uh, Paul Servino passed away yesterday. Love Paul Servino. Long career in Hollywood, uh, probably almost 50 years. He was 83 years old uh, in one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, uh, when he played uh, in Goodfellas, uh, he one of my one of my favorite uh, things. But when he he was also in uh, Oliver Stone's Nixon, remember that movie? He played Henry Kissinger. He was unrecognizable, and he had the voice and the German accent. He was so good. Uh, but a guy that uh, a great great actor. Uh, his his daughter Mia Servino, who's won an Academy Award in her own right, and uh, paid tribute to her dad after she won the Academy Award. But uh, uh, born in Brooklyn. Uh, played a lot of mob uh, characters throughout his career, but uh, very versatile, not just mob guys. He's, he was a great, great actor and passed away uh, of natural causes at the age of 83. Uh, that is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. It is Roger Taylor's birthday today. Roger Taylor, the drummer uh, for the group Queen. And uh, in honor of his 73rd birthday, here's one of the songs that uh, he sang lead on. He didn't sing lead on a lot of songs for Queen, uh, but this was in the uh, Night at the Opera uh, album, one of the great uh, Queen albums of all time. It's called I'm in Love with My Car. Happy birthday, Roger, from uh, all of us here at Sports Country Radio.